Welcome to the On Intimacy podcast. For one of life's most important topics, authentic intimacy in sex, love, dating and relationships, visit onintimacy.com for resources, courses, coaching tips and more. On with today's show. Season 1, Episode 8, Magical First Dates. I'm speaking with Julie Furman, an award-winning matchmaker serving Orange County, West Los Angeles, San Fernando Valley, Ventura County and Santa Barbara. Julie screens candidates for mutual interest and attraction to create magical first dates that have resulted in over 1,100 marriages. Julie's been featured on Dr. Phil, The Today Show, Good Morning America, NBC's The Match Off, The Hollywood Trend Report, Wall Street Journal, and more. Thanks so much for joining the Courtship Academy's expert interviews, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. I think uh, it's time for uh, Courtship to have an academy. (laughs) So our topic is magical first dates for transforming me into we. First of all, can you tell us some of the challenges that a woman faces around magical first dates or just first dates and that process of transforming me to we? Yes, absolutely. One of the biggest challenges with first dates is being in the present, which means not bringing your past and all of your baggage and all of your history with you, but actually being present, fully present and available to see this person for who it is. And that's a huge challenge. And the reason is because we're always comparing this person with the fictitious fantasy person that's stuck in our mind. I think that the two things that people are doing that is really harming dating is to compare a real life person to the fictitious person who's in our mind. And then the other thing that people are doing consistently is discarding and vetoing and dismissing somebody who might have those top five critical criteria for what really turn out to be superficial or secondary reasons. A woman might dismiss a man because he's not as tall as she would like, or maybe because he doesn't have a full head of hair, or maybe because he has a beard and she doesn't like facial hair, or maybe she wants to dismiss him because he lives more than 20 or 30 minutes away, or because he has a young child, or any of those things that are really superficial and secondary, it's a mistake for her to dismiss him casually and superficially for those reasons. Mm -hmm. So the most important element is to get very clear about what those top five elements really are for you. For me, when I was a single person, the most important element for me was that the guy wanted to get married and make babies. Mm -hmm. That was the most important Mm thing. So... If I was sitting across from a man who really didn't sound like he wanted to have a family, that was fine. Have a nice time, wish him well, make a friend, don't burn the bridge, but probably not a good person for long term. The best thing to do is to screen for your most important five things before you even go on the date in a playful and fun way. Hey, I'm dating. I'm looking forward to finding a relationship. I'm a really good fit for somebody who wants to get married and have kids. How about you? What do you think about that? Ask those questions. And if he doesn't answer the question the way you want, don't dismiss him. Just make a friend and and know that you can't have a relationship romantically with this person if those top five things don't measure up because it's not going to be fruitful. Now, there are some people who are dating casually for fun, and I'm not here to judge. It's fine with me if people want to do that. They just need to be very clear and upfront and honest about their primary dating purpose. If one person's looking for a relationship and the other person's just looking to have a good time, 
probably going to be a disappointment in the end. The fantasy image that you're saying that people make, are they projecting something that is ideal and therefore disappointed with all of their dating? Or do you find a lot of women are creating a negative image of men and therefore turning men down and not giving them a chance? That is a really good question. I think that both happen. Sometimes we create this fantasy ideal person in our minds that no one can really live up to. But then what you just said is happening too, where people are operating out of fear and they're operating out of scarcity and they're operating from a place of deficiency, like they're wounded from the past and they're so afraid You know, if a woman is so afraid that a guy is going to be unfaithful or she's so afraid that a guy is going to be a player or she's so afraid that a guy's broke and cheap and not interested in relationship, then what she's seeing men through is a filter of this negativity. And guess what she finds? Men who don't want to commit and men who can't have a relationship and men who are broke and men who are chintzy. So the opposite is a better way to be, where you look for the things that matter and look for evidence that this person is the quality that you want. For example, if I want to be with a guy who's generous, generous can mean a lot of things, okay? It can mean... I mean, generosity shows up in terms of gift giving, holding the door open, being kind, being thoughtful, um, asking her what she would like before he orders his own food, those kinds of things. So look for generosity. In what way is this man generous? I just, uh, I've been married for 25 years and my husband has been so amazing these last two months. I broke my foot. And I was on crutches. And this guy, this is a man who doesn't buy me jewelry. He doesn't go out and spend money on stupid baubles. But this man is an acts of service guy. And is he generous? Oh, my gosh, yes. He made my coffee and brought it to me every day for two months. (laughs) That is generosity of spirit. So if I was only thinking of generosity in terms of what's he going to give me in terms of money, I would miss the opportunity to see this man for the enormous generous person that he is Mm -hmm. make sense yeah that's that's great when the lady has that ability of creating a magical first date what does that look like before she had experienced lots of challenges and once she's got past that because she's developed the skill of the first date what is her experience like then a woman who wants to have magical first dates should always give the guy the benefit of the doubt Mm-hmm. We had a date last night where the gentleman called 15 minutes late and said he was stuck in traffic. Now, she had two choices. She could have gotten pissy. She could have gotten mad and assumed that this guy was no good because he didn't communicate well enough in advance. And what she did instead was she said, no problem. Take your time. Traffic's bad for all of us. I'm never bored. I'll answer some emails. I'll see you when you get here. And instead of showing up to the date with a woman who had an attitude and had already put him in the bad boy box, you know, he got to the date and he saw a happy, shining, smiling face and the date went well and they've already got another one scheduled. So it's attitude. It's how we bring ourselves to that first date that makes that first date magical. It's not about waiting for what that other person is bringing to us. It's about bringing ourselves to the date 
in a way where people can win. One of my dates over the weekend, um, I, I really like to make sure that the woman always gets to her car safely. Mm-hmm. And sometimes guys don't think about it because mm-hmm. you're big and strong and you can walk around town and you don't have to worry about, is the boogeyman going to come up behind you and steal your purse and knock you down? We girls were walking around in our high heels. It's 10 o'clock at night. It's a busy city street. And the date was over and the guy said, good night. And he was getting ready to walk away. And she felt like she really wanted some help getting to her car. She wasn't quite sure where she parked. She was a little unsafe, feeling uncomfortable. And she said, hey, would you do me a big favor and walk me to my car? Because I'm a little confused about where I parked. And I just want to make sure that I'm not walking around all night. Of course, he said, yes, of course, I'd be happy to. So in the process of walking her to her car, they extended their date by 15 or 20 minutes. They were having a nice walk to the car. They stood by the car for a while, talked for a while, planned another date, Mm. all because rather than her expecting that he would read her mind, she asked for what she needed, which was an escort to her car Mm. so that she would feel safe. He got to be the big, strong provider and protector, and he showed up like the knight in shining armor, and now they have another date planned. So that's just an example of how she turned what might have been a disappointing ending of a date into a magical opportunity. Mm, So what did she have to believe about him or about herself to ask that question? You ask such great questions. (laughs) What she had to believe is that a man always wants to help. Mm-hmm. You guys, by nature, are providers and protectors. And sometimes you don't initiate that big, strong provide and protect because so many women out there have been saying to you, I got it. I can handle it. I don't need your help. I'm an independent woman. Mm-hmm. And what allows you men to stand up and be strong is our vulnerability, our saying, you know what? I could really use your help. The minute a woman says, I need your help. The guy jumps in and he says, how can I help? I want to be the big provider and protector. It's in your genetics, your biology. You want to help us. And only if a woman allows herself to be vulnerable and comes from a place of understanding that that's who you guys are meant to be for us, that's the secret. The question that Alison Armstrong, she's my favorite relationship guru, and she always asks the question, what if you guys are responding to us. What if we have more power than we think as women? Because when we don't ask for what we want and we think you're gonna read our mind, you usually can't. We're very complex, we're very confusing. I don't even understand women. How are you supposed to understand women, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to speak up and ask for what we want in a way that empowers him to want to provide it. And if she shows up on a date already assuming that this guy is a wonderful human being who wants to help, who wants to be a good person, who wants to be a great date for her, the likelihood that he will show up that way is so much greater. So you've mentioned allowing herself to be vulnerable. That that would be, I'd say, another challenge. Why do women not allow themselves to be vulnerable? Well, I will say that the women's liberation movement was very important for women in many regards. It's great that we can vote. It's great that when I needed to start my own company, I could walk into the bank and get a line of credit, and I didn't need my husband to co-sign for me. Uh, It's good that we can buy property, we can open businesses. All of this has been good. 
but for our relationships with men, the women's liberation movement has provided a lot of challenges. And the answer today, it's a really wonderful time for men and women to be alive and dating and relating today, because now women are beginning to understand that we don't need to be exactly like men. It's nice if we have we develop our capability and our strength so that we can be accomplished in the workplace. We can buy our own homes. We can create our own companies. But the secret is in learning how to shift back and forth between what we think of as masculine energy, which is get it done, make it happen like we have to do in the workplace, and feminine energy, which is about allowing and it's about receiving. The more masculine we want our man to be, the more feminine we need to practice being. And it is a practice. One of the things we can do to practice, and this is an ongoing challenge for women in today's complex culture, we need to practice being better listeners. When we're talking, we can't listen. And women talk more than men anyway. So we've already got a challenge. One of the things we can practice if we want to be with a strong competent, capable, masculine man is learning when to shut up, learning when to stop talking and listen, because that's what a masculine man needs. He's mm -hmm. already got all the strength. He's not, we think that, that men will be impressed by our accomplishments. Oh, well, I have a PhD and I have three apartment buildings that I purchased and I earn a half a million dollars a year. A strong, powerful, masculine man doesn't need to hear that. In fact, he doesn't even want to hear that because he doesn't want to be in competition with the woman in his life. It's not to say that he couldn't be perfectly happy with a strong, capable, powerful, accomplished woman, but it's more likely to happen. She's more likely to get that big, strong, powerful, masculine guy if she's learned how to receive his strength and his energy. So she needs to learn when to talk and when to shut up. <laughs> so why do women see being feminine as being vulnerable or is being feminine being vulnerable? Femininity and vulnerability are all tied in together. And what we forgot and what we unlearned, it's like when we learn to be strong like a man, we forgot that our real power as women is in our femininity, which is our vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And a provider protector needs someone to provide and protect for. And if her attitude and her stance in the world is, I got this, I don't need you, I don't need anybody, the big, strong, powerful guy is going to run away, either because he intentionally ran the other way or he just found himself not interested and not attracted and she was just going to be too much trouble for him. Men don't really want to be with women who are no trouble at all, but they want to be with a woman whose troubles they can deal with and they can fix. <laughs> so there's, there's that push and pull between masculinity and femininity. And I think that today's modern day woman is a woman who has plenty of capability. She can get anything done she wants to get done in her life. And she knows when to sit back and allow a man to contribute. She knows when to ask for help. And she allows him to be his strongest self. She's the kind of woman around whom men can be their best selves. 
So criticizing, whining, bitching, moaning, complaining, none of that empowers a man to be his best self. So if we can learn as women to be positive and to look for what's good and to look for what's right and to ask for what we really need and fan that flame when we get it, then he learns what works for us and we've got a shot with him. She's open to being vulnerable. She's present on the date. She's expressing what she needs from a relationship. How does she feel when she has that ability to create magical first dates? What change in, in the emotional experience do you see that your clients go through? The difference when a woman learns how to come from that place of allowing when she's rooted in her in the strength of her vulnerability, she makes space for the guy to cherish her. And that's what we really want. We want to be cherished, but we're not going to get cherishment when we say, cherish me. You need to cherish me. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Now, <laughs> cherish me. You need to love me. No, you have to allow the guy to step into our lives. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an art. And it is magical, and we can learn how to do it if we practice it. What other emotional experiences does she have when she has that ability of creating a magical first date? When she's nurtured her ability to receive and she's connected to it, all of a sudden she will start to see where her power really comes from. A woman's power is not from a place of forcing things. It's from a place of allowing. Mm -hmm. And if she can tune into her ability to be feminine in that way, she will see an, a marked transformation in her relationships with men. Today's modern day woman is usually accomplished and strong. She earns a good living and she really wants to be with a guy who's her equal. And the truth of it is there's no such thing. There's no guy out there who's going to have all the qualities that she has and then some. It has to be a blending of energies. And so that's why I encourage women who really want to be with that strong, powerful, masculine man to focus on their femininity and to allow, to receive, to be more uh, soft and warm and playful. You guys really need to play. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're 80 years old, you need a woman who's playful. So let's move over now to part two, where we will talk about some specific strategies and techniques, some how-to tips on some of the areas that we've spoken about. Julie, what are some strategies that a woman can use to develop her ability of creating magical first dates? Well, one thing I recommend that women do if they're really looking to transform me to we is have a daily practice of something that connects her to her spirit. For me, it's nature. It's being outdoors. Uh, even just 10 minutes of sunshine lifts my spirit. If I don't have access to the outdoors, reading works for me. There's certain authors that I have in my iPad and I just check in and I read for 10 or 15 minutes, something that lifts my spirit and connects me to myself. We mostly walk around in our lives responding to what's happening out there mm -hmm. and we're unconscious. So it's a practice of remaining conscious, a practice of remembering who we are and what we're really all about. And for me, taking those 10 deep, quiet breaths 
transforms everything for me. Um, especially if I'm angry or if I'm irritated, like for example, in traffic, when you really wanted to catch that light and the light turned to yellow and the light turned to red and now you're stuck there for three minutes or for five minutes, guess what that is? It's an opportunity to breathe. So I'm not sure that we, we hear that a lot to breathe well, but can you just take us through a little bit of the, the specific uh, process for how to breathe well in those moments of stress? I do it as simply as just counting to 10, counting 10 full breaths and not so full that somebody sitting next to me would even know. Mm -hmm. It's just an opportunity, whether my eyes are open or closed, it's going inward and connecting with my higher power, with my larger self, with my truer self, underneath the craziness, underneath the chatter, underneath the circumstances of life, the practice of going within. And to do that, it, some people will resist doing it because they say, well, I'm not spiritual or I'm not religious. You don't have to call yourself a spiritual or a religious person at all in order to do this. You have to find your own center. And the more you can connect with your own center, the easier you will be for other people to connect with. It's about creating a clearing underneath the noise of life. And I don't care how you do it, but I want you to find your way of doing it. So for me, it's taking those breaths and just taking time. I usually have a little constriction in my throat. I learned it in yoga. If you have never studied any yoga, you'll learn all these breathing techniques in yoga. Okay. But even if you've never learned any of it, just take those 10, not shallow, but deep breaths, slowly mm -hmm. in and slowly out, and you'll find yourself calming. And if you're ever about ready to have a temper tantrum, please, Take those 10 breaths, and I promise you, the temper tantrum will either not happen or it will be much more mellow. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the practice often happens in silence. You know, I really recommend that people have a meditation practice, even if it's just a little one. Meditation can be as simple as taking 10 breaths before you go into your date, in the morning, at night before you put your head on your pillow or when you wake up in the morning, allow your mind to go to a place of spiritual connectedness. Whoever you pray to, doesn't matter, but I really wanna see those quiet moments where you get clear about who you are, who you're looking to be with, what you want your life to be like, and then start paying attention to all those lovely things that happen during the day that fit right into your plan. And don't let the little stuff derail you. Let the little stuff go. Don't sweat the small stuff and pay attention to all the beauty that's all around you. That's a meditation. Mm -hmm. What I encourage women to do is to put a mirror by their desk or a small little mirror in their car and catch their facial expressions. We can learn to change our facial expressions. And uh, there's something my friend Brian calls the resting bitch face where, you know, a woman might be sitting here and her face like me. Oh, serious. And it's not a turn on. And we can monitor our facial expressions so that when we're out there in the world, at the coffee shop, at the car wash, we have a pleasant face instead of a serious get it done face. And you know when we're looking at our cell phones and we're looking down at our cell phones? 
<laughs> it's not sexy. It's not. Nah. When we're on our cell phones, we're in masculine mode. We're in get it done mode. Uh-huh. And part of the reason flirting isn't happening more readily for people out there in the world is everyone's looking at their stupid cell phones. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation is when you're out there in the world, put your phone away. It's become a very bad habit that we all do. You get off a plane, the minute the plane lands, what does everybody do? They whip out their phone and they go into their little box. So practice not doing that. You'd be the one person who actually has eye contact available out there in the world. And when you're on a date, oh my gosh, please put your phones away. If you have one of those phones that buzzes and beeps and you've gotten your notifications set so that anytime something happens, it buzzes, go to a 12-year-old and ask that 12-year-old to help you set your phone so that it doesn't buzz and beep every time something happens. The 12-year-olds know how to work these phones. (laughs) So that's a really strong recommendation that I have for people is to turn those devices off and to really engage. Uh, The other thing I'll recommend is that you be playful and be willing to initiate. If you meet somebody great out there in the world or if you're on a first date and this person has not instantly initiated a second date, be playful. Say, well, this was fun. Should we do this again? Be what I call lasso-able. Make yourself available to this person. Well, it's so much fun to meet you. Here's how to find me and give this person your card so that the person can call you. You can say, it's been so much fun talking to you. Do you know what? If you called me up someday and asked me out for coffee, I'd probably say yes. It's simple little things like that that women can do to not be the guy, but to let him know that you're available to his invitation. It's about being accessible. And how to get around it is to be very clear about what your top five critical criteria are and to look for them and look and see if this person seems to have your top five critical criteria and look for the good stuff to show up in this person uh, as opposed to um, being fearful that they won't be there. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. You mentioned earlier that when you were looking for your relationship, it was someone for long-term and starting a family along those lines. How does a woman not scare a good guy off by announcing that she wants to make babies? Well, it's the most important qualification for dating. Who wants to make a baby and who doesn't? Who will date somebody with children and who won't? Whenever I, when I build my matchmaking software, it was the very first thing I had to build. And it's an interesting question that you ask because we've been studying statistics and women are three times as likely as men to say, I want to be married. Men are more likely to say, maybe, depends on who I meet. Yeah. When it comes to families, getting married, making babies. In my system, I've noticed that women are four to five times as likely to say, yes, I want to make a baby. Men are more likely to say, maybe. So this is a really important thing to qualify for. If you're doing online dating and you're writing up a profile, or if someone is in my matchmaking community and they're writing up that profile, it's really important to say who you are and what you want. So there's nothing more important. Put it in your profile. I'm excited for marriage, for partnership, for family life together, love to have a child. If a man is a definite no for having a child and he reads that, he's going to go away. Mm. And that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. We want him to go away. Mm. 
Because what happens is once we get together and the chemistry is happening, we start squinting. We start like hoping that he works out because he's so cute and because we have so much fun together. Oh, we hope that that making babies thing will work out. Making babies is important enough that she should let him know early on what she's looking for. If she's 32 years old, she's got some time. She doesn't have to worry too much, but I don't want to see her spend two years of her fertility tied to a man who's not interested in having children. So before you sleep together, before you become entwined that way, because once sex starts happening, oxytocin is involved and she will be bonded to him. Do you know about oxytocin? Yes, I, I bet do. you do. Yeah. You guys have oxytocin too, which is the bonding hormone, but mm -hmm. it doesn't last in your systems nearly as long as it does for us because guess what blocks oxytocin? Testosterone. Testosterone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. So um, what I would recommend is that you find out the answers to these five questions for yourself first before you have that second glass of wine and end up in the bedroom. Because <laughs> by that time, he might just tell you what you, what you want to hear. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's a playful way to ask these questions. You don't bring out your wish list on the date and go down at the checklist. This, that doesn't feel good to a guy. But she should be asking him, so what are your dreams? What are your hopes? What do you see for your future? And very often, the guy will volunteer the thing that she's hoping to hear, but she's not asking it from a place of, well, you better want to have children or I'm not going to finish this dinner date with you because right. then he feels trapped. The truth is about you guys, you got to meet the woman first and you've got to fall in love with her first before you can envision marriage with her, before you can envision having a family with her. Right. Once she's in your life and you love having her in your life, all of a sudden you start thinking, wow, I could have a family with this woman. So she's got to allow that to happen. And it's not, she might not know on the first date. So if she doesn't know, give him a second date. If it's fun, if they're having a good time together, if the connection is there, if she respects him and she's seeing evidence of some of her other critical criteria, even if she doesn't yet know, she should still pursue it and don't sleep with them until you know the answer to that question and yeah. until you know if he wants to be your, your boyfriend or not, don't mm. sleep with them. Yeah, it sounds like you're starting to answer already my next question, but let me ask it. If she's coming from a place of allowing, how does she not get taken advantage of? Well, sexually, you mean? Just, just generally, how, how does she be open to the things that his interests or dates that he proposes or whatever, he, like him being the masculine energy but, and, and her being the receptive feminine energy, but how does she still stay in enough control or balance for what she needs to focus on? Great question. And uh, it's about holding her space. So let's say, for example, it's date number two and things are going well. And the guy says, hey, why don't you come over to my place on Saturday night and we'll Netflix and chill. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Netflix and chill means we'll watch something on the tube and then we'll end up in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. That's what mm -hmm. Netflix and chill means. <laughs> she could say, sounds like a lot of fun, maybe a little premature. So how about if we meet up in the park and I'll bring a picnic? Something like that, so that it's not in his home, it's not in her home, 
She lets him know she's receptive, interested in seeing him again, wants to have more fun with him, wants to play, but she's holding her space because she's not ready to go to his place yet. She might even say, the bedroom's too close to the kitchen and we might end up there and that can't happen. She could play with it and say, so it's still a little early for that for me, but I would love to see you again. Let's do something fun. Let's do something playful. So she says yes to the opportunity to get together again, but she doesn't go past what she's comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how does, um, when she is ready, what signals are there signals that she's looking for? Is it completely personal to each woman or are there some guidelines for how to know when, a, when, a, when to take it to that next level? Well, I will always encourage people to keep their pants on until they know that both of them meet each other's top five critical mm-hmm. criteria mm-hmm. until you really feel that you don't want to date anybody else. You've had that conversation about exclusivity I don't know very many women who want to sleep with a guy and think that it should be totally fine for him to sleep with somebody else the next night. Mm -hmm. Just saying, I don't know very many women who want to have that kind of an open relationship, but there are some. And there's a time in a woman's life where she might want to be playful about sex. So until you can talk about it openly, including birth control and including talking about STDs, Until you can talk about these things openly, I recommend stay playful, stay fun, keep your pants on a little while longer. Mm -hmm. I have a couple who's dating right now, and they've been dating for over six months, and they are having a hot and heavy, gorgeous, wonderful, amazing relationship, and they haven't fully slept together yet, and it's because his divorce is not final. Mm -hmm. And she said to him, I'm not going to bed with another woman's man. I love you. I love being together. We can be playful. We can have fun. They've gone on trips together, but she has not officially slept with this this guy until he gets his divorce. And they're having a wonderful time together. And it's kind of like high school. They're having a lot of fun on the couch and they spend a great deal amount of time together. But until he is officially a single man, they're not sleeping together. And I thought that was a creative way to handle it. Very nice. So let, let's just jump back maybe for the last question to that first date. And she has her five criteria. How does she approach asking that five criteria? Should she just kind of list them off of, of five questions and throw them at him? Or how does she no. feel herself through that? It's not a list thing. Like, for example, in my top five was the, the issue of marriage and family. I really wanted that. So... On a first date, I would say to the guy, so tell me what your future looks like. Paint the picture for me. What what do you want for yourself? I'm asking him. He's going to tell me. Mm -hmm. And if he doesn't say anything about children, I might say, how do you feel about kids? How do you feel about where you want to live in the world? How do you feel about family life? Does it matter to you? Family was really important to me that being with a man who was family oriented, who cared about his family, who had a relationship with his family members, who cared enough to be a good uncle to his nieces and nephews. So I asked him about what does your family life look like? And he volunteered and he showed me pictures of him with his niece on his lap. And I'm like, okay, this is good. (laughs) And uh, then I also needed to know that this was the kind of man 
I could respect, and it was important to me that he have security financially, that I not have to pay all the bills. And so I asked him about the nature of his work and what he loves about his work and what he sees for his work in, in terms of the future. And he laid it all out for me. And I could tell that he had a plan and I could tell that he lived in a nice place. So you just ask open-ended questions mm -hmm. and allow them to give you the answers. And you have to be willing to hear the answer that you don't want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I wasted a year and a half of my life with a man who didn't really want to have any more kids. And probably I asked him on that first or second date, I probably said something like, well, I really want to have kids. How about you? And he probably said something like, I love kids. And I probably was so wanting this relationship to work out that I thought I checked off that box. It took right. me a year and a half to realize I hadn't checked off that box and we called off the wedding. Mm -hmm. You see? Mm -hmm. So that sometimes we squint. That's called squinting when we see what we want to see. Yeah. So that magical first dating process is really about being clear and honest with yourself about the responses you're getting. Again, not creating that fantasy guy, but really trying to see him and meet him for who he is. And if he's not the right guy, enjoying the time anyway, not burning bridges, uh, making a friend, or, or just enjoying yourself but still staying completely true to, to, to whatever your five criteria are. Is that fair? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, uh, and you have to be willing to hear the wrong answer. Mm -hmm. And when you hear the wrong answer, don't turn into a witch. Just let it go. It might be a little disappointing if this guy says, well, I really don't want to have kids. Or I have three dogs at home and maybe she's not a dog person. Whatever the answer is, just allow it, listen, sort it out later, but be a great date and don't burn your bridge. Because this guy's college roommate might be your guy if you don't burn the bridge and if you keep a friend, no matter what. Excellent. So any final thoughts, Julie, to share and where can people find you online? Yes. What's really important is I want each person who's single and would rather be in love to get registered privately with me. It's free and it's private. It's juliefermancom It's F-E-R-M-A-N. And everybody all over the world, if they speak English and they use a computer and they have a good current photo, can get registered with me privately so that when we're searching or any of our matchmaking colleagues all over the world are searching, they check in with me every day. I have matchmakers every day who check in with me and say, hey, do you have somebody in the UK for my client? Do you have somebody who lives in Peru for my client? So wherever they are in the world, they should get registered for free so that we can find them when we're searching. It's juliefermancom Thank you so much. Thanks, Julie.